I'm going to invite Gareth to come up uh, and share God's word with us. Let's welcome Gareth up here. Thanks, Gareth. Uh, why, don't, why don't you extend a hand towards Gareth? Um, we pray for him as he brings God's word to us. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. What a gift it is to us. And I thank you for Gareth, Lord God. And would you fill him even now with your Holy Spirit? Um, give him the words to say to us, Lord Jesus, and give each one of us open hearts to hear what it is that you have for us this morning, Lord God. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Philippa. That was kind. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. I hope you're doing well. Um, what we're doing, we're in the third week of a new series um, called Rhythms, and we're looking at different, different rhythms of life that will hopefully help us all go deeper in our walk with God. And last week, Philippa, she talks about worship. And we looked at Acts 16 and the story of Paul and Silas. They'd been arrested, they'd been beaten, they'd been thrown in prison. But then we're told in verse 25 that while they're in prison and chained up, they sang songs of worship to God. And from this story, Philippa shared that when we go worship God, our foundations will be shaken, our chains will be loosened, and salvation will come. And then Nita came up and shared her story, personal story of worship from Psalm 42, when deep cries out to deep. And she said different stories from her life, different seasons, which was amazing. And if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. It's on YouTube. It's really good. It really was last week. And today we're going to look at the rhythm of reading the Bible. And not just reading the Bible, but why we all need to take time out to meditate on it, both day and night. My father-in-law, who recently passed away, sadly, he was a man who liked to have his proverbs. And he said, when you eat your chicken, make sure you chew the bones as well, because that's where the juicy parts are. That's where the nutrients are. And it's a similar thing with scripture. You know, we need to be digging in and taking all we can from it. And so to help us to do this today, I'm going to go to Psalm 1 in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at two different ways of life. A path that the, the writer of this psalm believes will lead to happiness. And another road that will ultimately lead to destruction. And similar to last week, uh, where Nita shared, Johnson's going to kindly come up and share with us as well his story and why reading the Bible is important to him and what's happened as well from it. So I'm going to read Psalm 1 to us. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Amen. I love um, looking for bargains. I don't know if anybody else likes looking for bargains. The cheapest flights, cheapest train tickets, restaurant vouchers, I will look for it. And sometimes it works well. I got two pairs of trainers once for £25. There was a glitch in the system and you could put as many coupons in as you liked. So I spent the whole day searching for coupons. However, it doesn't always work out well and there are several occasions when it hasn't for us and there's always a voice in my house or several voices that tell me, I don't think this is a good idea, I don't think this cheap option is the best option, there's a better option available that we need to go on, but I don't listen. 
Um, uh, when sat-navs came out, does anyone remember sat-navs before Google Maps? Um, rather than buy the trusted brand, I bought the cheapest brand I could find, thinking it would be just as good, just a different voice maybe, not a famous actor. And there was this voice behind me saying, don't do this, this is going to be a mistake, it's not going to go well. But I ignored that voice and I bought the cheap option. And of course I should have listened to that voice because it was a disaster. This sat-nav was rubbish. And we found out it was rubbish on the coldest night of the year when we were traveling to Wales um, through those tiny Welsh roads. Um, and the journey has started well. If you go to Wales, you go along the M4, don't you? But then you hit Carmarthen and suddenly the motorway stops and you just hit these small roads and it became a disaster. Because I knew there were three or four left-hand turns I had to make, but I couldn't remember where they were. And there was a right turn I had to make. But for some reason, the sat-nav didn't say turn left. It said, just keep going. Um, just keep going. And then it said turn right at one point before it turned left. But I trusted the sat-nav and I kept going. But suddenly my confidence was crushed when I heard, you have reached your destination. <laughs> and, and I looked out the window and was like, this is not the destination of where we're meant to be. And there was snow falling around us. And so like any good person, I turned to my wife who gave me the advice and I said, do you mind asking where we are, please? And she went out and she asked for directions and we found out we're about 20, 30 miles from where we should have been. Um, and I won't tell you the name of the sat-nav just in case they're watching online. But the first three letters were B-I-N. And then bin, and that's where it went when we got there. Um, there you go. Scholars say that the Psalm 1 serves as a gateway into the entire book of Psalms. And it's referred to as a wisdom psalm. And he's given us wisdom described by some as like an Old Testament sermon on the mount because he starts with the word blessed. And it reflects two directions in life we can go. One that brings happiness and contentment and another path that will lead to destruction, he says. And the destructive path is referred to as wicked, where sinners stand and scoffers sit. And that simply means a life where someone has no regard for God, a life where someone will live like God does not exist. And for this reason, this psalm is then seen as like a gateway into the entire book because it's calling, well, make a decision. And when you make that choice to follow God, it's saying, well, come in and read the rest of this book. And so it starts in verse 1 with the words blessed. Blessed is the one. And the meaning of the word blessed means happiness. And the writer has discovered a place where they feel content and where they can firmly say they have found a life worth living. A life that is directed by God and his word, a life that he takes pleasure in having a close relationship with God, for which we are all made. And so to be a blessed person means that, well, on one hand, I'm going to do this, but on the other hand, I'm not going to do this. So he's saying, I'm going to listen to God, and I'm not going to listen to what the world has to offer or say. And so the author tells us, well, there are certain places, there are certain roads I'm not going to go down, there are places I'm not going to stand, and I'm not going to sit in certain places. Because they've realized that maybe, maybe they've gone through this journey. That there's this gradual journey that leads us further and further away from God. And it starts with walking away. And when you read the stories of the Old Testament and you go through the Bible, you'll see this constantly being played out. People either following God or fo not following him. It starts with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Lot, Isaac, Joseph and his brothers. And that's just Genesis. It continues in Moses and Pharaoh. Gideon, Deborah, the, roof, the list is endless. And Jesus talks about it all the time in the Gospels, didn't he? Calling those around him, follow me, 
Follow the way that God has for you. In Matthew 7, on the Sermon of the Mount, he says, well, there's two gates. There's a wide gate and a narrow gate. Well, there's two houses, one on sand or one on rock. Which one are you going to go through? Which is your life going to be built upon? And this writer of this psalm is doing the exact same thing. He's saying there are two paths. Which one are you going to follow today? And the good thing is that he walks us through it. And he shows us the two different paths. And he shows us, well, this is the path I'm going to go on. And this is the path I'm not going to go on. And he leaves us with that question, what are you going to do? And so I'm just going to go through it slowly, just, well, not slowly, but kind of skim over it. And what I'll say is dig deeper into it, because there's so much more that is in this that I'm not going to say. He starts in verse 1 saying, blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And to simply put, the walk in the counsel of the wicked means to walk in a way, in a way that is away from God, in a path that is away from God. A path that we are not meant to be on. We begin to lose interest in the things of God. Our behaviors and our attitudes begin to change. We begin to get influenced and follow those around us. Follow the advice and the counsel of people who are not following God. But it's not just listening to others. It's listening to our own advice as well. Our own inner deliberations that come up. That lead us and direct us away from this path that we think is the right one. And the problem is, and the danger is, if we keep following this path, we keep walking down it, it's only going to get worse. And he's saying you'll eventually end up standing. He says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. He's saying our posture will change. We'll begin to deliberately put ourselves in places where we shouldn't be. Where we begin to hang out in places where we shouldn't hang out. Standing in places we shouldn't be standing. And begin to engage in sin. And sin simply means that we miss the mark that God has set for us. Like an archer missing the target. We're away from God. And the problem with that, again, it gets worse. When we start walking away from God and we start standing in wrong places, we end up, end up sitting in wrong places. He says we end up sitting in the seat of scoffers. If we stay on this path. We'll eventually end up settling and in a space where we are content and happy and comfortable in our sin. Sitting in a place where we will openly mock God and have no regard for him whatsoever. And Jesus shares a story about that, doesn't he, in the prodigal son. The prodigal son says to his father, I don't want to be here anymore. His father lets him go. And he walks away on a distant country, as far from him as possible. When he arrived at his destination, he's standing there and he squanders all his money on whatever he wants, on sinful pleasures, it says. He threw it away like chaff. And eventually, over time, he becomes lost and stuck. And at the beginning, these paths might look attractive and nice, paths well-traveled on by everyone around us. But actually, the further you go down it, the further you move away from this blessed life that God has for you. You eventually become lost and stuck. And the writer knows this because he tells us the consequences of this path that we can choose to go down. In verses 4 to 6, he says, The wicked are are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The writer says, Those who have no regard for God, who do not believe in his ways, who will not follow him, are like chaff. That the wind drives away and they will not be able to stand. And chaff is that husk of, um, around the corn. And it looks strong at the beginning. But once it is removed, it is just weak and worthless. 
and it just gets blown away. It ends up being disconnected from the life it needs. And then eventually you just wither and die. And the writer knows that anyone who follows this path, that is what will happen to them. And they will perish. But the writer is saying there is another path. We're not just left there. He says there's another path we can follow. There is hope. And there is a path that offers life. And it begins, though, where does it begin? With turning to God. We're putting our focus and attention on God and on his law. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's saying a blessed life, a life of happiness, comes from a delight, from taking pleasure in the law of the Lord. And the picture that is painted is one of someone who leans in towards God, who leans into his law. And an example I had last night that I discovered is Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Um, uh, people like that a lot. And I bought one and I had it in the freezer and I was going to watch it after the rugby, eat it after the rugby, sorry. And then I went to the freezer and I'd noticed someone had opened it and leaned into it and eaten it all. <laughs> um, uh, and there was some left and I started eating it. And I noticed when I was eating it, others were leaning in and they wanted some of it as well. So if you want to know what it is about, buy some Ben and Jerry's um, uh, cookie dough and Oreo ice cream and you'll see people leaning in. Um, uh, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to lean in and enjoy him and delight in him. And when he talks about the law of the Lord, it's not just talking about the commandments found in Exodus, but so much more. The law of the Lord is God's counsel, it's his promises, his instructions, it's everything. It's taking delight in everything found in his word, in the Old and the New Testaments. But we don't just read his word, do we? We take time out to meditate on it. We ponder on it. We think about it carefully. Thinking about each word and phrase as it comes up. And we talk to God about it. And we talk to each other about it as well. Because meditate is a low repetition. This is for Mark. It's like the cooing of a pigeon, Mark. Um, there you go. It means we recite scriptures over and over again until they become a part of our lives. See, I work in the hospital once a week as a chaplain, and I get to visit this patient who's been in there for months. Um, he's been on an incredible journey. And I said to him a couple of weeks ago, I said, what's been sustaining you? What's helping you during this time? And he looked at me, and he smiled, and he said, Psalm 23, verse 6. And he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he didn't just say it once to me, he said it over and over again, not even having to look at the words. And as he read it, he would stop at certain words, and he'd repeat them, and he'd just close his eyes, and he would say like, surely, surely, surely. Then he'd say, follow me, follow me, and it just went on. And it was amazing to watch. That's what God asks us to do, to dwell on those words, to repeat them so they become a part of our lives. And you may be thinking, well, how much do I, should I spend? Because day and nights could sound quite a lot. But what from, from what I've read, um, is twice a day. That's where we start. Once in the morning or once in the evening. Or whenever you wake up. You know, what sits around your pattern? Because the writer was writing maybe to shepherds who had time in the morning and time in the evening to do it. And yeah, we've got to fit it around our lifestyle, but fit it in. And he's saying do it twice a day. And the reason we do it is because just like there are um, uh, things that happen at the end if we don't follow God, there are promises and rewards that come with it if we do. And the first promise is that we become a tree planted by streams of water. When we turn to God and his word and when we lean into him more and more, we'll become planted. 
and a place that has continual source of life flowing through it. And the result of this being rooted is him, we get stronger. Our roots go deeper because we realize there is life from this word that we read. And we realize these streams of water are never, ever going to run out. And when the storms come, and when they will come, we know that these strong roots will keep us strong and they won't let us blow down. Unlike the chaff, because when the storm comes on the chaff, it blows away. And then our life begins to produce fruit, doesn't it? See, what is flowing out of us will then begin to flow out of us. A promise Jesus gave in John 15, 5. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. When we lean into God and we become rooted in him, we will produce fruit. You know that, and that will be there in every single season of our life. It will be there whenever you need it. Because when we dig into the God, his love and his joy and his peace and his kindness will flow into us. And then that will flow out to those around us. And then it says, whatever you do will prosper. And I don't think this means we'll suddenly become rich and wealthy and all our problems will be over. But I do believe that I think it means that whatever God has called you to do, you will accomplish. And whatever he has called you to walk through, you will be able to walk through. And so what I'd like to do now is just invite Johnson to come and share his story. It should be really nice. And please welcome Johnson up into the States. Do you understand? Thanks, Gareth. I'm going to start with a Bible verse. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. So my name's Johnson, and I've been at SPS since August 2020. Really grateful to be part of this church family. Um, I lead a Bible study with Helen Stengel called Connect East, and right now we're doing Mark. And I'm going to read some verses from Mark that have been helpful in creating a pattern of reading the Bible. Um, yeah, when Gareth asked me to speak about my experience reading the Bible, the first thing I was thinking was, well, it's really hard and uncomfortable. And I was like, well, I should tell them that. <laughs> it's hard and uncomfortable to read the Bible sometimes. So this work in Mars helps me focus on why I read the Bible. Uh, it's when a teacher of the law is asking Jesus, what is the most important commandment? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So I think the main reason to read the Bible is to know God, because our main commandment is to love God. In order to love him, I need to know him. So I think one thing that is challenging in reading the Bible, because it is, can be uncomfortable and doesn't always feel good for me, I think is knowing that the purpose is not for me to feel good or comfortable. It's to know God and to rely on that. 
And I think when I read the Bible in order to make my life better, I can lose the point. So in order to know God, I think Jesus says it best when he tells us, also from Mark, Mark 8, 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Johnson. Uh, in a minute, he's going to come up and pray, if that's okay for us. Um, but if the band would like to come back up, I just want to end with this. Um, this this, uh, this invitation is for everyone. At the start of verse 1, it says, blessed is the one, or in some versions, blessed is the man. And sometimes we can automatically think, well, this isn't for me. I'm not the one, or I'm not the man. But sometimes got to dig deeper into these words because what he's referring to is everyone the rich the poor the lowly exalted the servants the king the young the old wherever you are from is for you everyone is invited to experience this life and everyone can experience this blessing everyone is invited to come in but it's up to us to respond it's up to us to turn around from where we're walking to maybe start moving where we're standing or to stand up from where we're sitting And go to that source of life that is there. The prodigal son who was far away from God as you could possibly get. He decided it's time to get up and it's time to go home. He stood up and he realized where he was sitting was worthless. That he was just going to perish where he was. And he started to walk home. And on the way home what happens? His father runs to meet him. And hugs him. And he begins to pour that life back into him. And that's all we have to do. We have to just turn around and go back. And he'll be waiting for us. I'm just going to ask Johnson to come up and close in prayer. Thank you, Johnson. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your perfect scripture. We thank you, Lord, that we can meet you in the words you gave us, in your perfect decrees. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and soft hearts to be shaped by your decrees. Lord, we live in a world that rejects your perfect law very often. I pray that we would find comfort in your truth and that we might come together around your perfect word to love and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.